welcome to our verse-by-verse -verse journey through Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew serves as a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In this Gospel, Matthew seeks to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. For those of us who aren't Jews, Matthew helps us to see our Savior King more clearly and through his gospel, learn to live well in his, in Christ's kingdom today. So grab a cup of coffee, open your Bible to the gospel of Matthew, and let's learn about our Savior King and his kingdom. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter five as we continue our series. Matthew, the Savior, Speaking of the Savior King and his kingdom, we've been in the uh, Beatitudes now for a few weeks, drawing near to the end of them today and one more after this. In uh, my late teens, which was back when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth, according to my son, I, I was connected with a group of guys that was a, a couple, few years older than I was, and we would get together regularly, and uh, in the midst of all the different things that we're doing, we'd have these conversations, and, and the conversations would range over every spectrum of life and things, and there was about probably six or seven or eight of us, and we were all different. We all had different viewpoints on things, and we never agreed on any of the things we were talking about. Rarely did we have, you know, universal agreement on these things. And sometimes those conversations got very passionate. Do you know what? After we finished talking, we would move on to the next thing that we were doing and still be friends. It taught me at a, at a, at a, at a good age, I was just a you know, late teenager, and it taught me that you can have a conversation with somebody you disagree with without you know, being divided and, and, and separated. And, and, and to this day, I can still do it. I can have a conversation with somebody who I, I'm in complete disagreement with and walk away from them without it damaging, on, at least on my side, the relationship. I can still be in a relationship with somebody I don't agree with because I'm in a relationship with Randy. So, you know, it always, you know, it's like, no, kidding. He, he and I agree on 99% of things. That's not the world we live in anymore. I just, it, 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 and maybe it never was that, you know, completely. But we're, the world we're living in today, it is, it is a world where disagreement is equivalent to animosity or hostility. If you don't agree with me, you must hate me. You must be wanting to do harm to me. You must, try to, you must be trying to erase me. You must be, and, and it goes on and on and on, just because we are in disagreement. Well, we're living in a world, I mean, we've never, there's, there's never been a time since humans first starting, started walking on this earth where humans were absolutely in universal agreement about everything. You know, when God put man and woman together, there was a perfect recipe after sin came in for conflict 
It's just the way the world was going to be. Today, I mean, for example, if you, if you disagree with somebody who claims to be transgender, you might be accused of hate speech or trying to erase them, which is a concept I just cannot, I cannot wrap my, my mind around the idea of, of erasing a human. It that makes no sense to me. But that's what they accuse you of. To them, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter why you disagree. Your disagreement is an act of violence toward them. That's not normal. That's not right. That's not truth. We see this in the, the often violent response to conservative speakers. I don't know if you've seen this going on. It's going on all over the place now. Someone, a conservative speaker goes somewhere and the response is, is violence. Not just, you know, the, you know the, the press might call it mostly, mostly peaceful protests. It's nothing even remotely close to peaceful. It's violent. And they justify the violence to silence someone who has an opinion or a viewpoint that is different than their own. This world is far from peace. You know, we, we, we might desire peace in this world, we might strive for peace in this world, but if we look around this world, there's not much of it. We're in the seventh beatitude. Guess what the topic is? Peace. You know, this, this idea of peace ought to be one of the primary focuses of the Christian walk. And so we're going to look at that as we get into the seventh beatitude. So let's pray, and then we'll take a look at it. Heavenly Father, we do come today, and as we look around this world, I don't know about everyone here, but my heart is grieved by the stuff I see going on in the world, where whole cities are, are, are in chaos and, there, and there, there is no peace. And Lord, we know, we know your word has told us that in this world, we're gonna have tribulation, but we're to be at peace. And Lord, that's hard sometimes. And so as we get into this text today, I pray, Lord, that you administer to our hearts, that whatever state our hearts came into this session, that even for a brief moment, that we would know your peace. As we sit at your feet, and we hear from your Holy Spirit what you would say to your church today. And we pray it in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Yeah, as I've said, as we've gone through this, you know, while I'm going through each of the Beatitudes one at a time, you can't really isolate them from the rest of them. And so what these, what these Beatitudes are, are the character traits of a believer. If someone is a believer in Jesus Christ, then these traits ought to be manifesting. But the reality is, none of them are going to manifest perfectly, right? You know, because we're not perfect. But they ought to be present, and then as we grow in our faith, these, these things will, will manifest more completely. We'll see them more clearly. And what the world needs to see of all of the traits that, that, that the world needs to see from us, this may be one of the greatest ones. This beatitude is the one the world needs to see. Let's go ahead and read it in verse 9, the seventh beatitude. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The sixth beatitude, the one that we did previously, was blessed are the pure in heart. Purity of heart can lead to peace inside, within us. The, the, the reality is that the idea of pure in heart means that we're, we're dealing with the reality that we have sin and we're working to work that sin out of us through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, through all of the, the, the mechanisms and tools and resources we have available to us, we are, we are becoming more like Christ, more like God in the way that in our character and our nature and our behaviors and our thoughts and all of these things, they're, they're changing within us. And the result, one of the results of within us is peace. That, that when we are not warring with God by sin, that we are experiencing more peace. Does that make sense? You know, when we sin, that is, that is contrary to the nature of God, contrary to the will of God, contrary to the word of God. And when we sin, we are in essence warring with God. And so when we deal with those things, we're allowing God to work with us and help us out to deal with those things, we are experiencing peace with God. And when we have peace with God, then we will experience peace ourselves as well. cannot be peacemakers if we are warring with God in our sin. You can't. You, you won't have peace and you can't be a peacemaker. You also can't be a peacemaker if you're at peace with sin. If sin is, if sin is just allowed to live in your life, then you know, and you're at peace with it, you've made peace with your sin, then you can't really be a peacemaker. We must wage a constant war, a ruthless war against the sin in our own lives. We do that through faith. We do that through the word of God. We through that, do that through all of the different things that, you know, the different resources and activities that we have available to us as the body of Christ, as we allow those things to do their work within us, we deal with all of that and we can wage war against that. Now, we're living in a world that doesn't understand peace. And it's hard. It's hard to be at peace when the world is such a mess. I mean, all you have to do is look outside. You have to, you have to look around. Look, you know, you know, get on social media. Get on, you know, the news. Just all of the conflict, all of the war, all of the, the division and the chaos. It is hard to be at peace. And Jesus said this is how it was going to be. Said this is how the world was going to be in especially as it relates to the end times. And Matthew 24 verse 6 says this, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now in context, this is pr the primary application of that is of nations. Nations against nations. But not just nations against nations, people groups against people groups, you know, communities against communities. I mean, it just goes back and forth. Anytime, any way, two ways you can divide any two groups of people, there's going to be conflict. Conservatives and liberals, that's a big one. We're seeing that one a lot lately. 
The peacemaker loves peace. That makes sense, right? If you're going to be a peacemaker, you need to love peace. Have you ever met anyone that loves conflict? They love making it. They love stirring it up. They love, you know, you know, pointing to it. They love getting all wrapped up in conflict. That's not a peacemaker. You don't love conflict if you're a peacemaker. I have grown in my life to appreciate certain kinds of conflict, like conflict between people. When I run, when I run into a conflict with somebody else, you know what that means to me? Ooh, here's a way we can get closer to Jesus. Because a conflict means there's something wrong. There's, something, there's some disconnect between me and you. Something between one of us is not like Jesus. Probably both of us is not like Jesus. And if we can figure out what it is, we can both be more like Jesus. I love that. Now, some of the conflict in the world is not so easy to deal with. And that's the reality. But if, as a peacemaker, we love peace. The reason why I appreciate conflict is because if we can deal with it, what's the result? Peace. Peace becomes the primary focus of our heart when, when being a peacemaker is important to us. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with people that are like you. Somebody say, no, that's not what it says. No, that's not what it says. Pursue peace with all people. Who are all people? All y'all. All of them. Everyone. And holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. I, lo I love the fact that the writer of Hebrews puts both, both peace and holiness together here. Because it takes us back to the sixth beatitude again. Because purity of heart is a, 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 another description of holiness. The more holy we become, the more peace that we can experience with our own heart, and the better able we are to make peace with others. And it says, if we don't, what does it say? No one will see the Lord. If we want people to see Jesus, how do we do it? By pursuing peace with all people and holiness, our own and theirs. At the announcement of the birth of Christ, the angel declared God's desire for peace in the world. In Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Why did Jesus come? To make peace between God and man. Between a holy God and a sinful man. The world's not at peace. Anger and division are everywhere. Now, the unbelieving world, we understand why they're not at peace. The Bible says they, they have no way of knowing peace. The, world, the, the unbelieving world, you know, they can have a United Nations that their, their, their described purpose is peace. They're not going to find it. They never will. No matter what they do, no matter how many resolutions they make, they cannot find peace. No government no organization can do it apart from Jesus. It's not possible. Isaiah 57, 20 and 21 says this. 
The wicked are like, a, like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. There is no peace for the wicked. Now understand, Isaiah's describing there, there are two groups of people in context of what this is saying. There are two groups of people in the world. There are the wicked and the righteous. You're either one or the other. You're not neutral. You're not, I'm doing my own thing, right? You know, I'm okay because I'm doing my thing. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. No, no. God says there's two groups of people, the wicked and the righteous. We know where righteousness comes from. Where does righteousness come from? Jesus. This comes from Jesus. If you have Jesus, if you have Christ in you, the Bible says you are righteous. You are of the righteous and the others are not. Now, does it, now, now we don't want to get all weird and, you know, I, I hate the wicked. No, you don't. No, you don't because you used, to, you used to be one. We need to love them as God loves them. We understand that without Christ, there can be no peace. And so those who are seeking peace without Christ are, are, are walking in vanity they are walking in futility, and they don't even know it. We should pity them. The primary definition of peace is the absence of conflict. We are living in a time where conflict is commonplace. Some might even suggest it is normal. In a fallen world, Conflict is inevitable, but it's never normal. It is never right. It is never good. Regardless of why it's happening, regardless of what's going on, the, the, the peacemaker seeks peace. That, is our, that should be, as believers, our primary objective in this life is peace. To make peace. The focus is not on, on who caused the conflict. It's not on, you know, whatever weird definition of conflict is. You know, it's this ism or that ism. No, no. The desire should be to make peace, period. The cause of it almost becomes irrelevant. Let's just be at peace. Peacemaker's primary objective in this is reconciliation. Reconciliation, the idea of reconciliation is to recognize that there's an imbalance someplace and reconciliation equals the balances out, makes everything right. And the primary tool of a peacemaker is forgiveness. The peacemaker, to be a peacemaker we must recognize that, that these, this conflict, this imbalance, whatever it might be, that it's not right. It doesn't belong in our lives. It doesn't belong in the world. And so we must do something to bring it back to what is right. And we, we base what is right based on what God's word says, not on what we feel or what we think, but what God's word says. And then, and then the tool that they use to make reconciliation is forgiveness, 
A peacemaker must be quick to seek forgiveness when they offend someone. It ought to be automatic. If there's even a perceived offense, a peacemaker will seek to make peace, to seek for forgiveness. Not not concerned about who's to blame or any of those other things. I just want whatever, whatever, whatever the conflict is, I want it gone. And, or, they are quick to offer forgiveness when they are offended. Ooh, that one's not so easy. We live in a world where offenses just fly. They're flying everywhere. You know, this person is offended by that, and that person is offended by this. I'm offended that you're offended. You know, and it goes on and on and on. And, and a peacemaker says, hey, let's just forget that. Let's just, let's, just, let's just move past this to peace. I don't have to make it right. I don't, have to, I don't have to, you know, do anything. All I know is that what God wants, he wants us to be brothers, sisters. He wants us to walk together in whatever thing we're doing. He wants us to be one in that, Jesus' prayer. And in John 17, Jesus prayed, I pray that they would be one like we are one. Who are they? Y'all, all y'all. All of us, all of us are part of those that God wants to be one with one another. Now, he wants that to be all believers, and ultimately, he wants all of the world to be believers. So his desire is that we would all be together, regardless of all of the ways that we define and describe our people, our things, you know, you know this race or that gender or that, this political position or, or that sports team, whatever nonsense we divide over, God says that, that none of that really matters. You're to be one people. Jesus came into this world to reconcile the world back to God. When sin entered the world, mankind was separated from God. Our sin separates us from God. And so, and so Jesus came to, to reconcile us, to buy us back into a right relationship with God. In Romans 5, 10 and 11, for if when we were enemies, enemies of God because we were sinners, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, meaning because we believe in Jesus Christ, we have been reconciled. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been reconciled, past tense, not something you have to fix today. If you're not a believer, then we do have to fix it today. But if you are a believer, you don't have to worry about that. You have been reconciled. We shall be saved by his life, meaning the, to, by saved to eternal life. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We are reconciled to God. Somebody say hallelujah. We are reconciled to God by faith. We are forgiven of our sins. That's what Jesus came to do, to make a way for us to be forgiven of our sins. Because before Christ, we, we could not be, without Christ, we cannot be forgiven of our sins. Nothing you do, nothing you pay, nothing you say, nothing you feel or believe or anything like that is going to change your relationship to God until you receive the payment that was made for you, and that was Jesus Christ on the cross. Until you do that, you cannot be reconciled to God. But once you do that, you are reconciled to God. 
And then once reconciled to God, we are invited to be a part of the work of reconciling the rest of the world to God. And to the ministry of the reconciliation, not just for ministers, but for believers. That's where the idea of a peacemaker comes in. Is the reality that most of the world is separated from God. And God wants them back. He sent Jesus to bring them back into a right relationship with him. And so, and so he invites us. And this is one of those radical things. God could, God could save the whole world just by, you know, chain, you know, taking out this nasty heart that we got in our chest, replacing it with a brand new, and he could do all that supernaturally. But he does it differently than that. And the way that he does it is right. And one of the tools that he uses is people like us. He uses us to communicate his message of peace and goodwill toward men. A peacemaker always has their eyes open, always looking for the conflict around them. Where is a chance to make peace? Is there, and it means we gotta stop looking so much at ourselves, which is a problem for some, but we gotta look around us and say, is there conflict in and around my life, in my relation, in my marriage, in my family, in my community, wherever it is that I'm, I'm, I'm you know, whatever, whatever circle that I'm in, is there conflict in it? And is God calling me to do something about it? Because you have to answer both those questions. Yes, there is conflict, probably, almost always there's conflict, but he may not, may not always be calling you to be a part of, this, of the solution. But a lot of times he is. But are we willing? That could be those who are in conflict with God, those who are the lost. You know, if you got lost around you, they are in conflict with God. And he wants you to be a part of the process of, of bringing them to a point of reconciliation, a point of peace with God. Or it could be those in conflict with you. Is there somebody in conflict with you? Somebody because of something you did or something they did or something they perceive or whatever reason it is. Is there something God would call you to do to bring peace, to make peace? You know, peacemaker is not passive. Peacemaker chooses to make peace. He seeks it. She seeks it and works toward it in whatever way God would lead them to. Peacemaker loves peace. It said, goes on to, this verse goes on to say, they shall be called sons of God, which I guess no ladies can be peacemakers, I guess, according to this. No, no, no. It's not what it means. Son can also be translated as children. They can be, they can be called children of God. So, the question then becomes, who will call them sons of God? Now, instinctively, we would say God, right? I mean, almost instinctively, well, okay, two of you. I got, I got a kind of a casual nod from two of you. Yeah, it would be God. Well, okay. Remember, these are characteristics of someone who is already a child of God. This, the, the Beatitudes are written to the children of God to tell them what the character and nature of a child of God is. As we live as peacemakers, 
the world will recognize something about us. They'll recognize that God is working in us. The world will see us and say, wait a minute, in a world that is, that is overwhelmed with conflict, this weirdo is trying to make peace. What is going on with them? Why, why in a world where, where conflict is accepted as normal and natural and the right, right way to respond to things, why would this person be striving for to make peace and not, and not doing it in some, you know, some you know, you know, you know, way to try to make themselves look a certain way? They're actually literally trying to make peace. Why are they doing that? They're doing it because God is working in them and through them to do it. And they're going to see it and they're going to say, there's something going on here. You know, we, we use the same concept with other people in life. When someone begins to practice medicine, they will be called doctors. When someone passes the bar and begins to practice law, they will be called lawyers. Sorry? Okay, she, she's correcting me over here, but I can't hear what she's saying, so correct me later. I'm just making this stuff up as I go, Gene. When a, when a Christian becomes and, and, is, and is actively making peace, they will be called children of God. People look at them and saying, okay, why, what's motivating this? Why are they doing it? They're doing it because they are children of God. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't become a peacemaker. You don't become a child of God by being a peacemaker. You, be, you become a child of God, and then you are a peacemaker. It becomes a part of your nature. You look at conflict, and you say, no, conflict is not right. doesn't matter why it is. doesn't matter where it came from. It's just not right. And I believe God has ordained me to be a part of the process of making peace. So I'm going to do something to make peace. We don't do it for credit. We don't do it for recognition. We don't do it so that people think we're so amazing, so holy, so, you know, whatever. We do it because that's what a Christian does. Whatever environment we're in, whatever situation we're in, whatever thing goes on in our life, we're looking, what is the peacemaker response to this? Not as what my, not as what my flesh want to do. What, not as what my, what my, you know, what my, you know, hard heart wants to do in this, but what is, what is the peacemaker response to this? What is the response that will bring someone into the presence of God? What's that response look like? And the world looks at us and we're, and we're, and we're working to make peace. They're going to see the truth of who you are based on those works. They'll know it. They'll acknowledge it. Now, the next beatitude we're going to look at proves to us that they don't always respond in our favor. Being called a son of God is not always responded to in a positive way, right? There are some people who are opposed to the children of God. Have you ever, I don't know if you ever noticed that, but the reality is there's some people, they have a real problem with God's children. There's a reason for that, and we'll talk about it the next time. As Peter and John, they were being, at one point, they were being told not to preach about Jesus. Don't talk about Jesus. And their response is, uh, yeah, that's not going to work. 
But their response, their bold response, amazed the religious leaders. And it, and it said something to them in Acts 4.13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. When we do these things, when we, when we practice these beatitudes, especially this one, people will look at us and say, okay, I may not understand what's going on here, but there's something going on here. And maybe they'll give us a chance, say, hey, you know what? Let me tell you what's going on. Jesus is going on. And when, when someone sees me with one of my sons, if you've ever, if you've ever met any of my sons, they will often remark that they look like me. And uh, it's hard to deny the familial relationship. They, they do look a lot like me. And, and be, because we look alike, people make that, that connection between, in our relationship. And that's the same thing that happens as children of God. As peacemakers, we bear the likeness of our Father, God. We bear the likeness of Christ. And so, so the, the greatest display of the likeness that, that we can do, besides loving and all the other things we can do, is, is when we are striving for peace. Because in peace, we experience all of the other facets of this relationship with God. You cannot experience the love of God when you're in conflict. You cannot experience the grace of God, the mercy of God, or any of these things when the conflict is the main thing. If we, can, we get past the conflict, then we can start to see more clearly the things of God. Charles Spurgeon said this, God is peaceful, long-suffering, and tender, full of loving kindness, pity, and compassion. So, too, is this peacemaker. Being like God, he bears his Father's image. We are made in the image of God, all of humanity made in the image of God, and through Christ, we can bear the image of God out into the world. We take that image out so the rest of the world can see Jesus, the, the image of the invisible God. You know, being a, a peacemaker is one of the ways that we testify to our faith, that we tell the rest of the world what we believe. When we're working towards peace in a, in a place, especially in a place where it may not be normal, may not be natural to work toward peace, but we're doing it, we're trying to make peace in these situations, people are going to see Jesus, even if they don't understand it, even if they don't even know it, they're going to see him. You know, we, you know, we often talk about, you know, you know, bringing people into the church because we believe that's where they belong. We believe people belong in church because that's where, you know, a lot of the, lot of the really cool stuff and God happens. Not the only place, but it's one of the places where God happens. There's something, something spiritual takes place when the people of God gather. That's just the reality. If you have a problem with that, then, you know, Sorry problem is that, that our religion, it, it, from an out, outside perspective, our religion is unlikely to bring anyone into the church, to bring anyone even into the faith. Our religion isn't going to do it. Charles Spurgeon also said this, our religion is an unsavory thing to men. I mean, it, it doesn't taste good to them. We must put salt with it, and this salt must be our quietness and peacemaking disposition. 
as peacemakers, rather than bringing them to our religion, we take our religion to them in the image of Jesus Christ. If we want them to know God, we want them to be a part of his church, part of his body, a part of the family of God, then we must take our religion to them. We do it through our faith. We do it through our love. We do it through our, all the ways that we manifest the reality of who God is. And one of the big ones is this role of peacemaker. The peacemaker's primary work is the work of Jesus Christ. Look at the life of Christ. What was he there to do? He was there to make peace. Now, there, now, now let's, let's be honest. There were a couple of times he wasn't so peaceful, right? Overturning the tables. There are times. There are times when to make peace, we got to throw something around. We got to rebuke the hard-hearted and the religious hypocrites. But that was very few occasions. Most of it, he was out with the people speaking a, a message of peace and reconciliation. He came to make peace between sinful man and holy God. There's going to be a day when he's going to come back. It's not going to be peaceful. It's not going to be gentle. It's not going to be warm and fuzzy. It's not going to be rain rainbows and unicorns. He's going to come back with a sword, and he's going to come back, and he's going to judge this world. Until then, he needs his people to speak a message of peace. Lots of different ways that we do this. One of the primary activities of peacemaker is prayer. We gotta be praying. We gotta pray in, praying for the, especially those who are in conflict with God, praying for the lost. We ought to have a list of people that we're praying for on a regular basis and praying for them until they are no longer, until they are at peace with God. We gotta keep praying for them. Praying for those that we are in conflict with either because of our own mistakes or their mistakes. Pray for peace. And pray for peace in the church. Pray for peace around us. We can pray for peace in the world, but Jesus seems to imply that's not gonna happen. Pray for the peace around you. All Christian ministry, everything we do, is a peacemaking activity. We don't always think about that you know, whoever, whoever is cleaning the bathrooms, um, that's a peacemaking activity. Whoever's vacuuming the floors, whoever's standing up here leading worship or teaching, it's a peacemaking. It, the, the, those ones in the back with the, at the soundboard and setting up the communion elements and all the different things that we do, every, every one of them has, has a primary objective, and that's for us to either achieve a, a, a place of peace with God or to maintain it and to grow it and to deepen it. Anything that we do that, that is designed to facilitate peace between God and people or people and people is a peacemaking activity. We're going to end this service in a little bit, in about 45, 50 minutes. Kidding. I'm going to leave you with three thoughts about being a peacemaker. The first is be at peace with God. 
that is the very first thing. You, you will never be a peacemaker until you're at peace with God. You can do the work of a peacemaker, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna develop any kind of real peace if, God, if you're not at peace with God, and you're gonna struggle to actually do it anyways. We must be at peace with God. The Bible teaches everyone has sinned. Who has sinned? Everyone has sinned. Every, all of humanity have sinned, and we, are, and we have been separated from God. We need to be reconciled back to God. Once we receive Christ's sacrifice for us, we are reconciled back to God. We are no longer enemies of God, but we are at peace with God. All we need, that's all it takes. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are at peace with God. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, justified, we're made right with God, you know, as if we had never sinned, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Because of Jesus, we have peace with God. We know God loves us. We experience his love. We can, we can go to him when we need to. Is a glorious thing. And we have the hope of glory, which is heaven. Somebody say, hallelujah, heaven. I like heaven. I'm ready. So we must be at peace with God. Second, walk in the peace of God. And so we, we must be at peace with God, but then we also need to experience and walk in the peace of God. That as we go through this life, that we are not only know that I have God's peace, but I'm experiencing his peace. That his peace is guarding my heart. In uh, Ephesians 4, 6, and 7, Paul talked about that. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, which you can only do if you're at peace with God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we can have this experience of peace. And, it, and, if, we, and if we really look closely at that verse, he says, be anxious for nothing, which means that the peace of God is something can be experienced when there's something that wants to make us anxious. Anybody, anybody have anything in their life that's trying to make them anxious? Finances, the, you know, the economy, you know, the weather, who knows, you know, you know, the, you know, whatever, you know, politics in California, that can make us anxious. Lots of reasons why we could be anxious, but this, this suggests to us that we can have a peace of God even in the midst of those things that would make us anxious. That we, that we can get to a place through faith saying that, you know what, that, that, that makes me anxious, that makes me nervous, that makes me afraid, that makes me angry, that makes me worried, that makes me whatever, but God, God can, God will, God is and we start going through and rehearsing all the realities of who God is and what he does, what he's done, and, and we can know the peace of God. Yeah, that's, this, that up there, that, that's a little scary out there, but I have God's peace, and I can, I can walk in that peace into whatever environment 
That peace is a result of intimacy with God, knowing God through his word, experiencing him through serving and through activities and, and just being connected to the body of Christ and prayer and all the different ways that we say, hey, this is how, this, these are the things we do as Christians. We don't say them just so that, you know, we can fill up our rosters and stuff. We say, we say these things because we believe it's how we grow. You know, you put people in the right environment, they grow. And that's what we want to do. Trust him more and more with your life. And this is something that I think all of us, especially as believers, you know, I'm guessing most of you are at peace with God. You're believers already, so you already have that peace. But it's the peace of God that we so often need to fight for and work for. And so I, I, we will be praying at the end of the service. And we'll invite you to come up. If you need more peace, come up and ask for it. Third thing, so, so be at peace with God, walk in the peace of God, and third, determine to be a peacemaker. It's not just gonna happen. You have to choose to do it. You have to be deliberate in the activities and pray, pray. Ask God to show you who he wants you to work peace with, who he wants you to make peace with, either a person or, or somebody that may be in conflict with you or, you know, conflict with somebody else, but l ask God to show you. Does God want peace in this world? Come on, somebody say it like you believe it. Yes, he wants peace in this world. Who does he want to bring peace through? First through Jesus, but through whom? All of us, through his people. God uses his people you know, otherwise he wouldn't say, blessed are the peacemakers. If, 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 if there wasn't a reason for us to do it, there wouldn't be a beatitude about it. And so he's calling us to want to do this, to desire it. And when we do, and we ask God, show me, show me where I can help to make peace. Now, God's going to do all the heavy lifting. You're just the conduit. You're just the vessel that God uses. He does all the hard parts. He just wants you to go. Sometimes right into the middle of the conflict. Ooh, I don't want to do that. That's how a peacemaker works. They look for conflict. And they say, God, God, wants, some, God wants to fix this. And he might want to use me. Are we willing to let God use us? First, we have to be willing to reconcile with those who we have harmed. I mean, there's chances are that maybe you've done or said something that somebody has a problem with. Do your best to reconcile with them. The Bible says, as much as it depends upon you, this is in Romans Live peaceably with others. Do everything you can to be at peace with others, to reconcile conflict. And then there are some that maybe, for whatever reason, they have a problem with you. Seek to be reconciled with them. They may not be willing. That's okay. You seek it. You try to be reconciled to them. This world needs peace but it's not going to find it until God's children are doing the work of peacemakers. That's the way God made it. That's, the, that's his system. 
He wants us to be peacemakers. It's interesting to me that the being a peacemaker is the seventh of eight beatitudes. It's almost at the end. All the other ones build up to this point. This is a big deal to God because he sent his son to make peace. He wants us to do the same thing. Thank you for joining us as we learn more about our Savior King and His Kingdom in the Gospel of Matthew. It is our hope that these messages will help you grow in your faith. If you have any questions or there is anything we can do to help you with that, please do not hesitate to connect with us. Go to calvaryfv.com connect to find all the ways that you can connect with us. As Christians, we are all connected in Christ. One of the ways we would like to engage with you is in the area of prayer. Please let us know how we can be praying for you. Send us an email to prayer at calvaryfv.com or text the word pray to 951-419-5396. If this material has been useful to you, please share it with someone. Also, please pray that God would use these messages to help others find hope in Jesus Christ. You can also partner with us financially by going to calvaryfv.com give or text the word give to 951-419-5396. Until next time, go be radical with Jesus.